0: Welcome to this podcast series from Aged Care Steps, where we explore themes on aged care advice for financial advisors to support building confidence and competence to provide aged care advice. This series features conversations with experts from Aged Care Steps on how aged care advice fits into compliance and ethics in an evolving landscape. We explore topics relevant to financial advisors, such as the three phases of retirement, PSEA and best interest, why aged care, and choosing a business model, making money from aged care advice, starting your business and for SEER and business efficiencies. Remember to visit the Aged Care Steps website for more information. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to our podcast from Aged Care Steps on why aged care and choosing a business model. I'm Paulette Trevina and today I'm speaking with Louise Beattie who is a director of Aged Care Steps. Welcome Louise.
1: Hi Paulette, thank you. It's good to be doing this podcast with you.
0: Yes it is. So Louise, in looking at the statistics on our ageing population, it's really interesting to note that the number of Australians aged over 85 will more than double over the next 40 years. This seems like an opportunity for financial planners to provide advice to this group and yet some planners are wary about moving into this space. Why is that?
1: It is interesting because it's a great opportunity for the financial planners to really build their businesses and add a lot of extra value to clients, which can be a very rewarding role for them to be in. The population, as you said, of age 85 is increasing at a rapid rate and is starting to represent a much more significant part of our population. But interestingly for financial planners, it's also an increasing part of their client base. We've got a lot of financial planning businesses that started 20 or 30 years ago with 50 and 60 year old clients. And they're moving into that aged care space now and finding that they're confronting that need and certainly needing help. And they're they're clients that the advisors have worked with for many, many years, but as well as the older clients. It is such a good opportunity to start building networks and relationships with the next generation with the children of those clients as well because they need to be regenerating their client base. Why they're afraid of it? I think there's a number of reasons. It looks new, it looks difficult. You know. It's always hard to move out of your comfort zone. And so where financial planners have traditionally talked to clients about accumulating wealth, And then when they get to retirement about how to spread their income out and spend that wealth, largely that's been about using the right investment products and using the right tax strategies. So I think aged care doesn't feel for many of those advisors like a natural fit. It feels like something really foreign to financial planning and that's made them wary about it. I think also for many advisors, it just hasn't been on the radar because clients weren't asking them about it. And so when clients weren't asking and it wasn't their great passion, it was easy to ignore. But I think that time's gone. Clients are now far more interested in in talking about aged care, understanding their options, understanding their needs. And so I think it's come right to the forefront of what clients are thinking about, what the children of clients are thinking about, and what financial planners themselves are coming to start thinking about as well. I think one of the other areas is it is so interconnected with Social Security and I know that's an area that so many advisors have just decided to keep well clear of. But it's like anything else, you need to get on the bike, you need to learn how to ride it and it becomes a little bit less daunting I think too.
0: So do you think that planners think that aged care conversations are hard? Is it because the advice is not really about products but more about strategy? Does that make it a scary thing for planners?
1: Yeah, I think that's hit the nail on the head, that it does seem really scary. And as I was saying, it's because it's taking them out of their comfort zone. It's not about products. There are a couple of products that sometimes your conversation will lead into, but it's really about the strategy. It's about how people um, should approach planning for aged care, what what frailty in aged care will mean for them, how they might structure their family arrangements, their support networks. It's definitely a lot more connected with social security and some of those areas which are very much emotional conversations as well. So in many ways, this is where financial planners are having to become very much guidance counsellors there isn't necessarily a role for planners to say, this is the path you should take, these are the actions you should take. It's about helping clients to look at what the future may hold for them, what their options will be, how to go about accessing those, how to go about making decisions. So really the role of a financial planner here is not so much the all knowledge or the person who can pick the right strategy, but it's about being the person who can guide, counsel and help the families make that informed decision. So that's in some ways though, not so dissimilar to what really true financial planning is about. Financial planning is about developing a strategy. It's about creating a risk return discussion with clients, setting the trade off, setting goals, helping with a family negotiation. So it's the same sort of concept but it's just, it's not talking about then the investment of product, it's talking about the access to care, which are not products that the advisor is going to secure for that client as well. So I think while the conversations might look hard and advisors are um, nervous about it, they should approach it the same way as they do any other aspect of their financial planning approach or service offer to clients. So it's about learn the knowledge. If you've got the knowledge and you know how the system works, you're going to be less nervous about talking about it. So learning the knowledge. Upgrading the skills. This does require, in some cases, some different skills to be far more able to have um, negotiations or to guide people that may be conflicted in their own choices as well. So upgrade your skills to be able to deal with that. Be business ready. Make sure you know exactly what it is your business is going to do, how your business is going to do that. Have the resources available within your business to be efficient and able and ready to, to give that advice as well and finding good support partners. So we aren't islands. We don't have to do all of this on our own. We have there's lots of support networks around to help advisors start the conversation. And I think it's about, you know, being brave enough to start that conversation. And then learn and develop and build those skills. And then it becomes more and more comfortable. And when it becomes more comfortable, the conversations become less tricky. The other reason why I think the conversations look hard is these are definitely conversations the clients don't really want to have. Clients don't want to talk about what's the future going to hold in that frailty period of their retirement. They want to talk about what the fun bits are what they're going to do today, where they're going to travel, how they're going to spend their money, what sort of lifestyle they're going to have. They're easier conversations. They're much easier to get a client talking and to think about the goals there. But when we're starting to talk about that frailty and the slowing down and the trajectory towards the end of life becomes a lot less fun. And so people are reluctant to talk about it. And I think a lot of planners are very nervous about raising it with their clients as well. But it's just such an important area. So for advisors who didn't have the passion or didn't want to have this conversation, it might have been easy to ignore and say it was all too hard. Times have changed. It is definitely not the year to be afraid to have aged care conversations where In a year where the Royal Commission findings are out, Um, we're in a year where that conversation on aged care within the media and within government and within community has definitely increased. And so therefore expect it's a year when the interest in your client base and their children and their support networks is going to be quite heightened. Um, So now is most definitely the time to think ahead and to be less afraid of venturing into this space.
0: So if clients aren't thinking to ask about aged care advice and planners aren't typically raising the topic with clients either, then I imagine starting the conversation is the first step. How do financial planners start to introduce aged care into the conversation?
1: Yeah, Paulette, absolutely. Starting the conversation is the key. Be brave. That's my one tip, be brave. But I would also say start the conversation with the people who already know you and love you. The clients, your existing clients, pick your really good clients who you think potentially, you can see they would benefit from this and start the conversation with them. Start the conversation with your friends, with your family. Be amazed how many of your friends and how many of your other family members are worried about their older parents. I know I've certainly had conversations with a very large number of my friends and colleagues and people about their parents. Um, So be brave, start the conversation. Think about in your review meetings or in your discussions with pre-retirees, early retirees, the three phases of retirement, which we talk about all the time. It's a great way of introducing that conversation into your planning meetings, either initial meetings and review meetings with clients as well. Put it on the table with clients. This might be an uncomfortable conversation but I think it's one that's really important we have, okay? If you think it's going to be hard, put that on the table. Say it's going to be hard. That at least gives you an icebreaker as well. Make your office aged care visible. So you don't have to do all the proactive raising of conversations. Sometimes what you might find is your clients are thinking about it. They don't know to raise it with you. Sorry, make your office aged care visible. Posters up in the office that talk about aged care. If you've done our accreditation, we give you a logo and you can put that on your email signature so that people who get an email from you will see something about aged care. Making sure your website has something about aged care so that people will know to ask you. Um, One of the things that I always tell advisors that I think is a really great tip, cheap, easy, is when you meet people, whether it's your friends, your family, your colleagues, people down the street, um, your hairdresser, whoever it might be, and they say, how are you? My response is you always wanna say, I'm doing great. I'm really busy at work. I've been starting to think about how my clients could benefit from conversations in aged care. And I've really been doing a lot more work in helping them through that aged care journey. See what comes out of it. You will get people to say, that's interesting. I should talk to you. So I think, you know, it's just, just put it out there. Just start that conversation.
0: That sounds like great advice. Louise, are you suggesting that all financial planners should become specialists in
1: aged care? No, not at all. I think the important thing is that every financial planner needs to have a solution in their business for how to help clients through the aged care need. And if we look at, that's backed up by Standard 6 of the FASIA Code of Ethics. And Standard 6 says that you need to look at a client's broader long-term interests. So that means you really can't do retirement planning unless you look at the whole of retirement, which includes that frailty period and therefore the aged care needs. And even if you're giving advice to accumulators as well. So every advisor needs to have a solution and that solution might be an outsourced solution or that solution might be where they build up their skills and increase their capability and their capacity and for some that might mean they become a specialist as well and the skill set you need and the level of training and the investment in your own personal development will vary according to which business model you actually choose to implement.
0: So I imagine for financial planners that choosing an appropriate business model is pretty important What do you see as the different approaches for how financial planners could start in the aged care space?
1: The the business model is really important. Um, And I think with that space, there are a couple of broad categorizations of business models. Obviously, there's differences within each one. But at the first base level, it's about creating awareness. So for those advisors who don't want to know too much about aged care, really wish they'd never had to do it, but recognize that importance of creating awareness then it's about having enough skills and knowledge to start that conversation identify the issues with clients and then refer out create a network and a connection and we can help with that because we work with lots of planners who are specialists in this area so it's about referring your business to somebody else to deal with the aged care specific part and then the client comes back to you for the ongoing financial planning Then we move into those advisors who want to give the advice to their clients. And we see many of those advisors in that space who may be happy to be the front facing advisor, but need help to produce the advice document. And that's where you could look at outsourcing paraplanning to, again, we could help with that because we do specialist paraplanning in the aged care space. Um, and it is important if you're going to use an outsourced paraplanning service that they really do understand how aged care works and can do that efficiently and build a story that's easy for the advisor to then relay back to their client as well. So giving the advice could be where the advisor's is front facing and we could help them by outsourcing the paraplanning to us to do for them. Then it moves into the next space where the advisor could be the front facing advisor but also be able to insource more the development of that advice document. And that's where we require good in house modelling software, such as the Aged Care Steps Advice Generator, that enables advisors to be able to do the comparisons, either themselves or their in house power planning team, and have efficiencies the way that that advice document is delivered. And then we get those advisors who say, This is great, I want to be a specialist they would definitely in-house their support. They would become very efficient in their processes and create the referral networks to drive aged care specific advice to them. So getting started is about thinking, where does your business opportunities lie? Which model do you want to look at? Then it's about setting in place the right skills. So get the training, do the accreditation training to get started and then continue to build the training and knowledge at the level that you need. Looking at creating the right support partnerships or referral networks, and also looking at marketing support. How do you communicate? How do you have efficient marketing? How do you put articles and newsletters out into your client base without having to recreate the wheel each time as well? And so it's about right business model, right support networks and partnerships, right tools to create efficient and accurate advice in aged care space.
0: So another thing that seems to be a concern is pricing and whether aged care advice is profitable. What do you (laughs) see? Are planners making money from aged care advice and what sort of feedback do you get from planners who have made this move?
1: It's always the big question and it's an important question to ask as well because unless financial planners can make this a profitable part of your business you're not going to be able to spend the time with your clients helping them and the clients really need this help it's so important so yes pricing it's it's a fee for service so it's about looking at what's the service you're offering and how do you charge an appropriate fee that reflects the value add you're giving to clients that that's the easy part how do you do it then In many cases it is about identifying clearly what your service offer is and I think that's an important thing in the initial conversation with a client when they need this advice, it's about clearly setting the parameters of what advice you're going to give, what services are in scope, what services are out of scope, deciding whether you're going to charge a fee for time spent, whether you're charging a fee for deliverables, or whether you're charging a fee for outcomes and managing a whole project. We see advisors doing all three models. Um, We see advisors that will have a free first meeting but being limited in what that is and then charging for advice. It just depends on the business model you're used to um, and what your clients are gonna expect because remembering a lot of these people who seek advice will be your existing clients. So you need to match in to their expectations um, we've got some interesting videos on our website, which we did a little while ago with some of the advisors who've done a lot of work and specialising in this space. One of the questions we asked them all was, if you could go back in time and start again, what would you do differently? And it was interesting that pretty much all of them said they would charge a higher fee. And I think it's just so interesting. I think it's because they struggled in the initial stages, they were, they were nervous, they were wary about how to do this advice. They were uncertain and unsure about the value they might have been adding to clients because the fee you can charge is purely reflected on what value your clients see. But I think as they got the confidence and they got the experience and they got the feedback from their clients, they could see this was very important advice and really valuable. And so they were able to start to charge a fee that better reflected the effort and time they put in and the value they added to clients. Um, So we are starting to see advisors coming into a better alignment and better understanding of where their pricing should be. And One of the things we developed in our toolkit, um, which is a membership subscription service for advisors, is a pricing tool that helps them develop what packages they want to offer and how they're going to charge for that at what price levels. We're finding that's been really useful and very successful with advisors. And there's great ways. I mean, this can bring direct revenue into your business. You're you're giving advice, you're charging for advice. It can help grow your client base because you're able to attract new clients into your business and then retain them. It's able to help with that intergenerational transfer because you're marketing to the kids and bringing them in as clients. We've got um, a number of advisors who will tell us that, with every piece of aged care advice they do, they tend to bring at least one of the children on as ongoing clients into the future as well. I spoke to an advisor who sent me an email actually just this week and he said since the beginning of this year, so there's been two months so far in this year, he has brought in three new clients around aged care. And his satisfaction rate is 11 out of 10, he said. I think that's showing that there's a lot of interest and the opportunity to build business.
0: So that all sounds really positive, Louise. What do you think are the three best tips for planners who want to get started and build a successful aged care business?
1: Okay, um, interesting. I think my first tip would be make the commitment and get started. One of the biggest problems we see for advisors is where advisors will, I guess, procrastinate and that's because they're busy. So they'll procrastinate and say, I really want to get started in this area, but I need time to think about how I get started and I need time to get everything set up. If you're waiting to find time to create a great big project and have it all perfect to implement, we'll never find that time, we're we're all time poor. So make a commitment, get started. And this is where about starting slowly into your capacity and we can work with advisors to help them grow and develop that over time that's about you know getting that partnership get started use resources to make yourself efficient so you're not having to redo everything and it can be a lot simpler to just start the second one would be get the right skills so have a look at our website and have a look at the upcoming dates for the accreditation workshops That's a great spot to start with, making sure you've got not only the knowledge, but also a process for how you go about giving advice and how you go about pulling together an advice document. So the Aged Care Accredited Professional Program is both knowledge and practical skills and helps you with all those business aspects as well. And then it's about the right support tools and resources To start getting the messages out to your clients, to be able to have checklists and calculators to make your advice accurate and efficient. And I think they're my three best tips, but it's really all about being out there, being brave, having the conversations with clients, and then wait and see what satisfaction you get from it.
0: Well, that's fantastic advice. Thank you, Louise.
1: All right. Thank you,
0: Paulette. I look forward to talking to you when we do our next podcast.
1: (laughs) Me too.